Welcome back to the show, everybody. Boy, do we have a treat for you this week. As a speaker who has booked and delivered over 500 talks, our guest today coaches speakers on how to get booked, very important, and stay booked, which is sometimes even more important. She's passionate about teaching speakers how to get their message heard so that they can make a massive impact on those who can benefit from the expertise. Listen up closely as I pry out of her the number one secret to getting booked and staying booked. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Lisa Rock Your Talk Reed. Feeling good? All right. Thank you for being on the show. Just to give you, you know, uh, uh, the frame of what happens here. We're helping a guy named John. The avatar is John. Very intelligent, could be an author, could be a dentist, uh, not an idiot, right? Good at what he does. He's expertise, right? He's an expert in his own thing. But when he goes out into the world, being interviewed on even local TV, sometimes even the newspaper, gets out there and speaks about his business, delivers a mess of a speech, jumble ideas, this is nothing good, call to action is bad, uh, he's sweating all over the place. And we, just between me and you, the buildup to leading to that event is a stressful event. You know, three weeks before, it's horrible. So in your humble expert opinion, why in the world do most speeches and presentations suck so bad? Well, I think it's actually two main problems. One is not enough planning or strategy or, you know, they don't have a template. So they don't actually know where they're going. And then number two is practicing, which I find ironic is the biggest problem because it's free. Anybody could practice however many times they want to, you know, and yet that is probably the one thing that speakers don't do enough of. And if you, because if you have a plan, then you have something to practice. But if you don't have a plan, then you don't have anything to practice. So that's why the two of them go together. Yeah. And practicing, you've seen people practice right before where they practice in their head. Yeah, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, so, so what do we mean by practice? Well, I do understand that not everybody does it the same way. And I don't, I don't say there's only one way to do it. However, what I know is not being done enough is even just saying it out loud at all. I would say like start with three times minimum, like just say at least three times out loud, time yourself, make sure you've got it. You know, your, your cadence is correct that you haven't gone off on a long tangent and eaten up a bunch of time. And all of a sudden your introduction is now 20 minutes when you only had 20 minutes to speak. <laughs> the three times out loud, how many times speaking to you, John, how many times we're not even a speech. You thought of a joke you were going to tell someone. And you thought the joke, maybe will they will have this and this reaction and the joke will take this amount of time, like a little speech for someone if you want to introduce like a, like a joke at a wedding or something. And how different is the, your imagination versus what happens in the real room? What you yeah. thought was five yeah. minutes is actually a lot of times 35 seconds. Yeah. Good Lord. Plus the acceleration of your, you know, metabolism, the adrenaline pumping and you're speaking faster than usual. So is that 
Lisa, one of the secrets is practicing one of the secrets or something else that's one of the secrets? Well, there's something else that's one of a secret of how to get booked and stay booked. Yeah, the practicing is just like how to make your presentation remotely better. Yeah. That's not a secret to nobody yet, of course. That's like 101, 101. Okay, so so the 101s, there's, there's the practicing. Let's make a rule of thumb three times now. When I, there, in rock and roll, there's a thing called a dress rehearsal. Yes. So the worst people can do a lot is just think in their head. And the other ones, they, they just kind of practice like this. Yeah, I'm going to say this. Oh, man, I'm going to say that. Yeah, it'll be all right. No, no, no. So what, like, walk us through, what, what do you mean by a physical practice? Yeah. So, for example, my family is very used to me speaking out loud to nobody because I'll just say, hey, heads up, guys, I'm practicing for a new talk. Just ignore me, shut the door, whatever. Yeah. Don't mind me. And I yeah. just go. And I time, I mean, this is, you know, like I said, I've done 500 talks. I still do this. If I have a new, I want to do this for every single talk because sometimes I've already done that talk a bunch of times. But if I'm developing new content or it's a time frame that I'm not used to, like, honestly, I think speaking shorter is harder than you know, if you have an yeah. hour, you've got a little bit of looser time, but if you have five minutes, you don't. So I will literally put that timer on and I will go. I mean, I've already written out what I'm going to, I don't mean written out meaning script. Sorry to talk so much, but like, there you go. That's another subject. We'll get into that later. Another Oprah, right. But I have a plan for what I'm going to say. And I have my points down and I have my call to action or what I say is an invitation, action invitation. So you need to have that. And it's like anything, the first time you do something, it's a little clunky. It's a little, you're still trying to figure out your transitions, your, your timing. And so then the second time you do it, it's a little bit better. And then the third time you do it, it's a little bit better. So I'll say three. I mean, that was like a minimum, right? But most people don't even do one. So if you did three, three times more than you've done it so far. Here, here's, here's what happens a lot of times. They call their assistant or secretary. Hey, whip something up. I got to talk tomorrow. Thanks. Oh, geez. Yeah, no, that's horrible. Don't that's do what that. happens. And then they read the damn thing. You wonder, why did this go so bad? Also a bad idea. That's yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. So in terms of planning. Oh, sorry. Yes, go ahead. Well, I have people sometimes who are so worried about getting it right. They write out their script word for word, and then they're reading it. And the words sound wonderful. The words are perfect. But the affect and the energy and the connection is not. And that is, again, where you can just get into some hot water of being so attached to it being perfect, you lose the connection. Yeah, the thing that happens with written speeches like this is if even you stumble over the inflection of one of the syllables and you right. breathe wrong on one of the uh, virgule in French, uh, how do you call a virgule in, in English? Like a, like a comma. Oh, okay. okay. If you get to breathe on one of your commas, I mean, it's horrible. You want to leave yourself some breathing room. Like Lisa just took a nice deep breath right there. You want to have breathing room and also deliver. Man, come on, John. If you're not dropping bombs deep enough for you to allow to let that sink into the audience, take a sip and breathe, you're not. See, you're not talking deep enough to so the pain of the people you're speaking to. So you got to leave yourself some breathing room in there. 
It's like okay, the negative plenty. space. Like if you had a white piece of paper and every single space was taken up by words and there was no border and there was no you know space between the lines, it would be, and it's the same with speaking. Like you need to give space for people to process what you're saying or emphasis or quieter or loud, whatever. And this that. is coming from Lisa here with Get Speaking Gigs Now. Not 700 years, not when the time is right, not when so-and-so becomes president or not. Get Speaking Gigs. I mean, this is the thing. We, we, I would like to hear your take on this. Everybody knows speaking is one of the best ways to grow your business. I mean, it's yeah. not a secret. I, everybody kind of knows that. Every, uh, you know, John, just think about anyone you follow that is a thought leader in your space. That person is a public speaker. Warren Buffett said it's one of the best investments he did in all his life was a $100 course back in the whatever that was to learn to speak in public. So everybody knows it's a good idea. But let's just trace back how you see it. Where, how does the money come? To, for example, John, we're speaking to John here. How does John... How does his speaking thing relate to money in the bank? Yeah. How does you how do you trace the line between this? Well, I like what you said, trace line, because actually I'll I'll use an example of, or metaphor of a threading through. And so a lot of times there's the emphasis on the content of the talk. There's no doubt that people have expertise. You lived a long enough time or you've had enough experiences, you have expertise in one or many things. But when it comes to building a business or attracting clients, uh, that's a whole nother Oprah, right? That is now we're going to be intentional about what you're going to say. And it's leading to something. And I'll, I'll use another metaphor of like, if you paid to go on a, um, some kind of expedition where there was a, a person who was going to guide you through to this Alaska. Experience. Yeah, there we go. You're going to go for Alaska, right? Uh, you're going to go see the glaciers you would expect, you have a certain expectation as the, as the paying person. And you know that the guide, you've trusted the guide, like, okay, I guess we're going to go on these glaciers and we're going to, maybe we're going to see some polar bears or maybe we'll see, you know, whatever, we'll see some really exciting stuff. And this person's going to also get me back to the boat safely, right? It's the same when you're speaking. Like if the audience doesn't know where they're going and you as a speaker don't have a destination in mind, it goes all over the place. And the audience is like, what, where, are we going to get back to the boat? Like, where are we going? What is this thing? And so when it comes to business and building your business through speaking, you need to have that end destination in mind and take them on that exciting journey. I mean, when I say exciting, it doesn't mean you have to be an, ex you know, high energy speaker or, you know, like a sparkle queen. Yeah. You don't have to like John, don't wear a dress and turn into Miss Sparkle. That's not what she's referring to. Yes. Use your own style. But you want to make it an authentic, intentional experience for the audience. Now, but in terms of threading that back to money. So for example, John doesn't think about that, but just for other people, you know, because John's intelligent. Maybe some people who don't get it at first, they think, well, as speaker, what am I going to get paid to speak? No, no, no. We're talking, we're not talking about becoming a keynote speaker here or a public speaker as your profession. You are an author, you are a doctor. You go out and speak. Now, this speaking thing you have is a stage. And on that stage, you have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with everyone in the room, except you have a six-foot stage, jumbotrons 
lights, and a microphone. And if you're listening to what Lisa's saying here, you need a landing strip for your ideas to bring people on a journey where they land in a place where that brings them naturally. So you first of all, you want to repel everybody who's not a client for your coaching program or your dentist. <laughs> and attract everyone who is. Mm -hmm. And these people will recognize themselves. And this brings money into the business. So you can pay for advertisement. And, you know, I don't know. You're in California, right? Yes. I'm in Montreal, Canada. We have things here, like on the menus of certain restaurants, some people go and sell to 12, 15 local businesses, and they, they put little logos of every one of the 12 or 15 businesses on the menus of the 12 or 15 other businesses. Good idea. It's a good idea. But if you're doing that, John, and you want to raise, I mean, it's a good idea if you're selling something, you know, cheap. But if you're selling, you know, high-end cosmetic denture, I mean, you don't want to be perceived as a little thing. Like, you don't want ketchup on your logo. Yes, exactly. So depending on what you're selling. So, see, instead of being an, a victim of advertising, which a lot of these advertising companies are preying on small people that don't know, small businesses that don't know how to run advertising properly. You get on TV, get on stage, for example, maybe you can go to Lisa, okay, or get booked on big stages and you speak. And what the way you say your things and the way you set up your planning and prepare in advance for a good God. Yes. Right? This yes. I talk about, uh, there's a chapter in my book and, and also a module in my academy where we talk about monetization, strictly monetization. And I, I always encourage my clients to create something called a monetization, I can't even say it, monetization menu. And so speaking of menus, and it's an opportunity for you to think ahead before you need to know this information, before you get booked, what are your offers going to be? And I say offers because it's not always the same thing. It depends on the venue, how long you can speak for, what you have going on in your business. Like if you run a, like, let's say you're a coach, let's say, John, you're a, you're a coach and you offer this big event once a year. Well, you may not, may not want to invite people to that all year round. You might want to invite people to that maybe three months out. So then what are you going to offer the other nine months or what is it that's going to lead them to the thing that you want them to get to? And that's what I mean by monetization menu. And I also appreciated, Sly, what you said about keynote versus building your business through speaking. There's, there's so many different ways a person could monetize. And I think there's a big myth out there that it's only like, people are like oh, I want to be a paid speaker. I'm like, well, you could, you might be leaving money on the table if you're just thinking speaker fee, because that's a, what I call like a one and done. Could be, I mean, versus what if you could enroll clients that stay with you and pay more than that speaker fee? I think that's a better deal. And these paid speakers, by the way, I have two of them in my roster of clients. They leave money on the table. It is scary. So I work with them to monetize these gigs, their fame. Two of them are, I have books that are like one of three bestsellers. The other one's like one and a half bestsellers. So to monetize that thing on the back end, because these guys are leaving money on, it's not even fair. Ooh. Yeah. Because if you only, that's the artist syndrome. I mean, I got this syndrome all my life. I mean, I'm singing and dancing my ass off on stage and then the bookers are making all the money and the managers and stuff like that and producers. So if you're only speaking and you're getting paid only to speak, I mean, if you can get a million per night, that's pretty good. 
because some right. people do. But for, you know, if you're a dentist, you don't get paid a million and I go speak. So you use this as a marketing tool to filter out people and bring them in. Yes. So, of course, practice three times out loud, of course. Planning, a landing spot for your ideas. I, I have a technique called the Russian sandwich formula, which one of my students used last night on a launch. Uh, we're talking 25% closing rate on a live webinar. Congratulations. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Awesome. So how about I pry one of the, at least half of the secret, you know, to getting booked and staying booked out of you? Okay, I will tell you half of the secret and then I might tell you the other half. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. So this is what I call, so you had said at the beginning when you introduced me that I'd booked over 500 talks. That is true. And about 30% of those came from one person's referrals over the years. And that relationship is what led me to developing what I call the speaker soulmate system. And if you find one or so, I'm going to share this secret with you. I'll share the whole secret. Um, a lot of times people know they need to network. They hear they're supposed to network and build relationships, but they don't really understand the value or how to ask or who to find. And it's not about finding hundreds and hundreds of people in your, when I'm talking, your really close strategic partners, like what's it going to be a smaller circle? And so I say, okay. Well, I want you to start looking for other speakers who speak about the same amount as you, you know, because you got to make it even. If you're speaking once a month and this person's speaking 10 times a month, that's not, that's not fair, right? That's going to be unbalanced. And then they also need to speak on something that's not in competition with you, but they speak to the same audience as you. And then, of course, you want to make it someone that you enjoy being around and that you trust and that has credibility and that has quality and you've checked them out and they've checked you out and you are willing to invest in this relationship. And that's where the kicker, the kicker is because a lot of people just want, I want it all and I want it now. And I don't want to actually have to, you know, invest or nurture a relationship. I'm like, no, 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 but that's the, that's the one that's going to pay off the most if you find this person or, or, or a few people. And that that has been above all the strategies that that relationship is probably the most effective. And so I tell people, I actually, I run a group called OC Speakers Network and I encourage them. I'm like, find your speaker soulmate. They're out there. You just you know, interview people. It's like dating, you know, you just got to find that person. So every time that person speaks on a stage, they speak to the host about you. And every time you speak on a stage, you speak to the host about them. And oftentimes you can even be on the same stage yes. Yes. on the summit. Yes. So when the two of us are out and about doing our thing and cultivating leads and, and getting them from other resources, we come together and we have a plan. Uh, we meet, we have a calendar date, you know, and we meet and we go through every single thing like, okay. And we know each other so well at this point that we know this one's not for you. This one is for you and stuff like that. But when you're getting to know that person for the first time, you're going to need to figure that out. And I would say, hey, you know what, if, if this isn't a fit for you, you're not going to hurt my feelings. We're going to move on to the next one. <laughs> and the thing for, because people, one of the things that stop them, they go, well, I don't know where to speak. I don't know yeah. where to get booked. But once you get into the groove, of, okay, I got something to say now. Let's get on the road. Man, I tell you, there's more opportunities that you can physically handle in a day. 
more. It's I just, crazy. Yeah. I talked to a gal yesterday who had nine speaking engagements this week. Yep. There's no shortage, folks. There's no shortage, John. <laughs> so it comes to sifting and sorting and finding the ones that are appropriate. Now, the yep. same thing as, you know, a joint venture company. You say, okay, well, we sell, I don't know, uh, baby diapers. Let's partner with a company that sell uh, something that, you know, like baby products. It's just even, yep. easy self-evident way of joint venturing the same thing but for speakers so you end up both on the same one of the things that creates for my clients is um you know um how do you say that in english um panels yeah expert panels you know so you're you're there to speak on a subject well it's fun when you're there together it's not a syndicate but it's close i mean you're, you're speaking on the same subject that you know that's good for your both businesses and you're providing value to the community and being perceived as an expert all at once and getting clients for your business. What do you want more? Right? It's it makes it a lot more fun and you're not alone, you know? A lot of times speakers, it's it's ironic that um speakers like to be around all other people, usually not everybody, but you you like to speak to the audience, right? But being a speaker can be a very solitaire process. It can be something if you don't have support, um it can be very lonely. And if you don't have those trusted people to bounce ideas off of and um, network with, like you're saying, it can, it can be uh, something that you end up giving up on before you even really get started. Plus the tricks you get. I mean, in 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 music, there's there's a guy called George Benson who's like one of the man. Like he's the man. Yeah. And he says, if you don't want me to steal it, don't play it. I mean, just don't. Because I mean, if I hear, yeah. you know, if I hear anyone play almost anything, I can I can replicate it on many instruments. I, I hear it, I got that I can play it. Wow. So when you hear a good idea and you see how they work the crowd or what they do, this you, I mean, you get ideas. Yes. And same thing, they get ideas from you and you bounce off of each other and you get better by doing it. So uh, was that half of the secret or the whole thing? That was the whole thing. And then you know, of course, as you go through and practice that and and develop it. There's, there's ways in which you can make it really effective. But first step is start to look through your, you know, digital Rolodex. Who do you know who might be a good fit? They speak to the same audience you do. They're about the same frequency. They don't, aren't in competition, but they are complementary to you and you like them. You would want to hang out with them. You trust them. That's a good place to start. Complementary is the keyword because like, I have people, see, I used to stutter like you see in the movies. I couldn't even speak before. Okay. And now, yeah, I like, so in another language. So I had to come over the stutter, learn another language, and now do this. Wow. So when someone comes to me and says, well, I'm shy. I got to speak this weekend. I mean, come on. I'm not impressed. So I, I, I got tricks. I've been coaching since the age of 16. So I, I, I take someone from shy and caved in to what I call rock star presence. Yes. Like, like nothing. Well, it, it's a process, right? Take nine, takes nine weeks. So we go through the process. And one of the things is, I forgot where I was going with this. See, this is a great example. Before I started the story, I had a landing place for the idea. And while I told the story that I just improvising like this, I lost the point. So what are you doing that point? Is it better to keep on rambling on or just say, missed my point? In my experience, it's just been best to say, I just missed my point. Then rambling on with, with some other Paul, like, and, and it comes back to you at one point, but you just, I just missed my point. Happens. 
Yeah. Now we're all wondering what was that point? What was that point? Yeah. We'll but figure truly, it out. We'll have to tune in and find out. Yeah. No, but see, now you 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 can use this as on purpose open loops, but that's I just really forgot my point. That's what I wanted to say about this. But it it's just about speaking. So if if stage one is get yourself out of your own way, get your head out of your ass and get ready to speak, then you got to go out and speak. And one of the strategies is teaming up with other people who are like this. And this is a great way to level up. Now, yeah. if you want, if you're speaking three times a week or three times a month, and you're someone who's speaking, you know, four to five, always start by asking a question. If somebody's, you know, is, is a bigger player in the circuit, how can I help them? Yes. And this compliment idea, that seat, now the point came back, the complimentary effect. Because when someone figured out, oh, you can take people who are shy and afraid to speak and make them confident, well, that person, had a service where she makes talks for people and then she gets people on TV. But she's saying, even when they have a talk ready, they're so shy they don't even do it. So they don't go on TV. So yeah. I became a sandwich. So she primes them. She sends them my way. I do my thing and then gets back to them. And that's a great example of a speaker soulmate system that Lisa here has for you. Yeah, that's perfect. So you just work together really well. I love that. I yeah. Love that. So that's all, folks. I'll leave Lisa with one final words of wisdom for you in a second. I would like to encourage you, everyone here, check out my links, check out her links. Everything is in the show notes. GetSpeakingGigsNow.com. In the meantime, I ask you to keep on rocking in the free world. Any parting thoughts, Lisa? <laughs> I would say, be ready to be ready to say yes. And I think oftentimes when people are thinking about becoming a speaker, they think, well, once I get a speaking engagement, then I will get ready. And I would flip it. Be ready so that when somebody asks you to speak, you can say, yes, I'm ready. Here I am. That's beautiful. Be ready to be ready. Reminds me of a saying from a bassist from South Africa who played with us named Selwyn Lombard, who used to say, keep on keeping on. Thanks, I like folks. It. See you next time.